Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is one of my favorite people, JT Ellison. JT is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of more than 25 novels and the Emmy award-winning co-host of the literary TV show, A Word on Words. She also writes urban fantasy under the pen name Joss Walker. With millions of books in print, her work has won critical acclaim and prestigious awards. Her titles have been optioned for television and published in 28 countries. JT lives in Nashville with her husband and twin kittens, where she is hard at work on her next novel. Welcome, JT. Thank you. One of the twin kittens just decided to join us. So oh. <laughs> forgive me. She's she's having a snack. She eats on my desk. So that's she, so she fun. Just well, joined I, us to have a snack. I have a, a puppy here. Hopefully, it won't make any noise. That's my <laughs> least favorite thing. At least the cats are quiet, right? Um, Most so of the time. I don't have the beautiful cover. So show us that beautiful cover. And if you're listening, you have to go and look at JT's beautiful cover. This is is this your favorite cover? I think this might be your my oh. favorite. Oh, it's, it's just, it was heart stopping gasp of excitement when I saw it. It's, it is an incredible cover. Um, they, Isn't that fun? There is something about covers and when you have a good cover, God, it's so damn exciting. So, it is. and this book, oh, JT, I'm such a fan. Anyway, you know that um, of you personally and your writing, but this book is so powerful and I'm, it's such a perfect book to talk about on Killer Women. So before I we dig in deep, please tell our listeners um, about It's One of Us. Okay. So it is the story of a young couple, Olivia and Park Bender, who are at this point desperately trying to have a child. Olivia has miscarried multiple times. They're doing IVF. They're in the throes, in the thick of this really, really difficult situation. And... Um, when the book opens, she has actually just had another miscarriage and she goes downstairs to tell her husband, but before she can, the police knock on the door to find out where his son is, which she knows must be a mistake because they don't have any children. But as it turns out, he's been lying to her and he actually was a sperm donor in college. And at last count, um, there are 28 children out there and one of them is a murderer. Okay. So there is so much fabulousness in that twisty plot. <laughs> so, and, and we're not going to give away any of it. Everyone has got to go pick this book up. It's so, it, it's so exciting, but can you tell us about, first of all, I know it's a really personal story in a lot of ways, but before we get into sort of the, you know, the, the emotional journey of the book, I want to ask if there was, cause you do a lot, you know, you're talking about this this DNA 23 and me, it's also, you know, so new and so everywhere. And we are seeing people where like the, you know, crazy things, doctors using their own sperm and having 30 children. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's crazy. So what, you know, can you talk a little bit about sort of how, you know, this story germinated and took, because it's got so much fabulousness in it. So Part of it, yes, it is my story, my journey, my husband and I's travels and travails trying to have a child, which it never worked for us. Um, I could get pregnant, but I couldn't stay pregnant. 
And it was uh, several years of just, you know, kind of heartbreaking every three months, you know, going through this, this terrible situation. And I didn't really share with anybody because it's, it's so personal and, and you feel like such a failure. It's like, you know, your, your biological duty is to produce children. Right. And, right. and no, I don't necessarily agree with that, but no, I know we're right. the only ones who can do that. And right. so it's, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm feeling him and failing me. And so it was really, really difficult, yeah. really, really hard, but the IVF journey has its moments of levity. And it was a moment of levity that kind of led us to, okay, we need to write this story. And that's, it's the sweet home Alabama joke in the book. And it is, it is a real event. Um, and, and we got laughing pretty hard about it. You know, poor husband's in there at the clinic, given a sample and just, you know, mortifyingly sweet home Alabama was on the the speaker overhead. And it's yeah. like, what do you, you know, you're here with your playboy and your sweet home, Alabama. Here uh, we go. That's know, so just, great. It was, it was really funny. And we got laughing about it. And, and he said, you know, you got to find a way to put this in a story. Yeah. But I'm a thriller writer. Right. And this is a women's fiction type of, of issue and a women's yep. fiction kind of story. Yeah. So I didn't know how to marry the two. And it took almost 10 years to figure out how to both marry the thriller with the emotional journey that Olivia's on, plus be able to talk about it in a way that, you know, I want people to understand that I have a hard time writing children in my books because yeah. I don't know what it's like to have a child, but I certainly know what it's like to lose them. Yeah. And that was what I set out to explore. And honestly, like you think, you know, we all know people who've lost, you know, pregnancies. It's one in four. I remember I read that somewhere. Yeah. It's and then also the statistic. I know. And then all this sort of the, you know, the, the diagnosis of sort of unexplained infertility, which is so like, you know, all these things that women endure. And like you said, I don't think women do share that because it does feel like shame because it does feel like we're literally like it's the thing we're supposed to be able to do like without even thinking right we like literally like you get drunk and knocked up that's like the you know that's that's the baseline right? it's just it's amazing when you get into the science of how you actually get pregnant and the tiny tiny little window that you have every month to get pregnant that anybody ever does is kind of it's just miraculous right much less by accident Right. So, right. So it's, I, it's I really interesting. And I think, you know, for, I know for, you know, it, me and I haven't experienced this personally, but of course I, as a woman, we all know people who have experienced it and we know people who've lost babies and not been able to have children and all of these things that you deal with. So it's a really, it's an incredible gift. That part of the book, which is, I think it's, it's an incredible thing to be able to spin that into a thriller. So you make this, this compulsive story that sort of the, the, the emotional, prevails of it don't slow down the thriller which I think is speaks to your incredible you know ability in this genre as a writer um but also that it does give us so much depth which I really really appreciated so I think it's just I think it's so fabulous and I you know you know I'm I'm such a huge fan I'm super um happy to have uh to have this coming to the world so tell us about the so you know this was obviously something in your past and you as you said it took 10 years you know what was it like to write you know, this, was it, did it feel different than other books, heavier, harder? 
um, or cathartic? It was not cathartic. <laughs> it's it's becoming cathartic now that I'm out talking about it, which yeah. is really interesting because I think you and I have talked about this. I've been very scared to come talk to the world about this book because it is yeah. so personal. Right. But that's where the catharsis is starting to happen is actually speaking it out loud. Writing it was hell. I'm not really, even going to yeah. pretend. It was really, really difficult. And I had to kind of gear myself up every time I was going to write something that had to do with this. And obviously I couldn't stay in that state of mind for very long. So I got into the thriller aspects and the other points of right. view and all of that. And that made it a lot easier. Yes, and, right. Know. But I would write it in, in huge swaths, uh, you know, 7,000 word days. And then I oh wouldn't touch gosh. it again for a week and then come back and, you know, write 5,000 words in a day and then not touch it for a week. So, and I did that for several months and just kind of blurted out the draft uh -huh. and, and it came together much easier than my last book, which was great because <laughs> the last book had, a, it was really, really difficult to write. So structurally difficult this one yeah. was emotionally difficult yeah but the process itself it went pretty quick I was surprised yeah it's so interesting I mean it's it is interesting how each I mean it's it's like you think after all these books JT like we would think it just it's gonna get easy right I mean surely if we do this <laughs> yeah. if we do it 29 right? times right aren't we gonna finally be just like good at this but that isn't the way it works is it no, it is not. It gets harder and it gets harder for a number of reasons because uh, for me, I'm trying to top myself and every book that I write is the best book that I could have possibly written at that point and I can't do any better. And all of a sudden we're in a situation where I've written the book, right? This is the book that I've been waiting 10 years to write. I wasn't able to write it emotionally I wasn't able to write it creative creatively and I wasn't able to write it craft wise I needed that time I needed to learn you know we learn so much with every book right we get yeah. better we get better and if we don't get better we're doing something wrong I agree yeah but this one this one's my world series right I definitely feel like I won the world series with this and I really hope people love it even if they don't I have the creative satisfaction of knowing I leveled up. I emotionally leveled up as a person yeah. writing this. And I leveled up on a craft, on the craft side as a writer as well. Yes. It's so generally you talk about sitting and writing in these bursts. That's not the way you normally write. So no. um, what's your, so talk about like, I mean, not that there's a normal, right? That's the other thing about every book being a little different, a little harder is that there's, we, we would love to have it just be like, okay, I write from 10 to two. And then I have the rest of, you know, it isn't like that, but what, what, you know, what's your, what have been your experiences more generally? Are you somebody who comes to the computer every day to write? How has that a, been, you know? Different? Yeah. I've always shot for a thousand words a day. Mm -hmm. That's, that's always my goal, you know, hit a thousand words at the very least touch the manuscript every day, mm -hmm. even if I'm only thinking about it. That's mm -hmm. the advantage of holding our offices in our heads, right? We truth, touch it anytime right? we want. But the, the idea of, you know, I, I used to write one to four every single day. That was like my time. I write more in the mornings now. I, I have found, you know, I like to be at the computer 
with everything else done and taken off by about 10. And I write from 10 to 12 and I can get a thousand words between 10 and 12. And then I feel like, okay, I'm going to go back in the afternoon and try some more. But if I don't get there, it's okay. Right. I've got my thousand words. Yeah. This one was different. I would sit down and I would start writing and I would look up and it was seven o'clock and dark and, you know, nobody had eaten. And it's like, wow, I just got very, very much lost in the process of creating it lost in the world with those characters, because it's, it's such a, it's such a fun morality of what would I do if I was in this situation? And every character is faced with that question. What would I do? How would I handle that? And it was fun. I mean, that part of it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is interesting that it felt so different, you know, because of um, the sort of, and and that it worked. I mean, like you said, you finished it and you felt like it really held together, which sometimes when we change our process, the result mm-hmm. is not always, right, super positive. Right. And this was the first book that I did um, 40 scenes, which okay. is a, a new outlining process that I'm using, which I learned uh, Mary Beth Whalen is the one who taught it to me, actually. Yeah. Um, it it is uh if you if you can put together 40 scenes writer math 40 scenes even if it's just you know a line of dialogue or an image and my very first image for this book was olivia walking down the beach this woman walking down the beach she had her arms tucked in she was wearing chino she had really dark hair and she seemed so sad and that visual just oh, stuck with me And then, you know, it's like a line of dialogue or it is an opening line. There is blood again. I knew I needed that to be my opening line. So, so you start layering those in, right. And when you get to 40 of them, technically you can take each one of them, write a scene, a scene is 2000 words, and you've got 80,000 words of your manuscript right there. That's crazy. So So you are, you basically try, like, it's not even an outline exactly. It's not an outline. But you have to figure out where they go in relation yeah. to one another. Right. So you're kind of, or, you're right, you're creating them and ordering them. Um, and that is interesting. Mary Whalen, would you say that? I'm sorry. Mary, Mary Beth Whalen. Mary Beth. That. And it's, she, she got it from somebody else. I, we, you yeah. know, it's, it's right. one of those things that's been passed around and diluted, I'm sure <laughs> by the time it right. got to me, but it is, um, it's really, really helpful. And I, I've found that just I don't, I didn't even go back to it. Right. I did the 40 scenes and then I never looked at them again until the very end. And I was like, Oh, I missed this. Oh, I can add this. Oh, wait, you know, this will, this will fit in. So it was, it was a, it was a completely different process from start to finish and it worked. Will it ever yeah. work again? I have exactly. no idea. <laughs> exactly. So <far> not. <laughs> oh, shoot. So then, so normally do you, do you outline books? Is that normally, or you really do sit no, no, you're just a pantser. You just sit and sort of feel it. I, and it's, it's not, I really think you should outline. I really think you should. I don't think you should pants completely. I think you need to have a roadmap. I think especially because we've conditioned the readers for a twist. You got to know what your twist is. You got to know where it is. Right. And especially in a thriller, in a suspense novel, in a mm-hmm. mystery, oh my gosh, you really have to know what's going on. But for, for me, writing mysteries, I don't like writing mysteries because it's, they're so hard. It's so hard not to telegraph the ending. It's so right. hard. And I'm, I'm writing a mystery right now. I'm like, why? 
Why am I doing this? Why am I hurting myself? I'm just hurting myself every single day. What what is wrong with me? Yes. I like I like thrillers better. It's, you know, I like the pace of thrillers and I yeah. like being able to, you know, examine all facets of the story. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting when you talk about that. I think that's, I think that is exactly right. It's really smarter to have an outline. I've never actually had an outline, but I usually do know, like, like you said, I know the ending, I usually have a scene in mind for the, the, you know, the last conflict scene and the final twist and maybe one or two other things. It's, it's, I'm not sure it's the best way though, but I don't know that there's really like, I don't know that you have a choice either. I think there's a way that you write. That is, that is very true. And, you know, I have, I have very good writer friends who are devotees of John Truby, who literally will not get anywhere near the page until they have a hundred page outline. And that, you know, I can't do that. I, I don't know the ending until the story is there. And I don't like sharing until I'm to that ending because as, as just happened, I gave my agent some proof of life pages, just, just to show her. Yes, yeah. I have been yeah. Working. I'm working. It's not that I'm not working. It's just the story isn't there yet. I can't see the story until I'm done. And then I can go back and see the story. So I write a, a you know, a real loose draft that's like 80,000 words just to get myself to the end. And then I go back in and figure everything out and move things around and, you know, add 20,000 in the editorial process. I don't write it. Yes. Right. No, that makes total sense. I think, I think that that, you're fleshing it out. You've got kind of a, you've got a good solid skeleton and you're just adding some, some flesh in it. So I Um, guess I am technically outlining it, but just thoroughly. mm Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, very, very thoroughly as very, I go along. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. More like writing the draft of it as you write. Exactly. Yeah, that's the error assessment. Now, when you're so, if you write, you know, your thousand words, um, how do you sort of set yourself? One of the things I think is is complicated is sort of setting yourself up for the next day so that you don't show up with like the blank screen, right? Um, or you just don't sit there for like two hours and think, I don't know what happens next. So, how do you sort of like? give yourself a little, like, are you thinking about that before you get there? Are you, do you give yourself something the day before? How do you do that? I am thinking about it before I get there. I like to go, I I'm a circle writer. Mm. I'll write something and then I circle back and read what I wrote. And then I move forward and I circle back. So, so I'm constantly one step forward, two steps back. That's helping it grow. And that's, that's just, that's just how I write. You know, I cannot help myself doing that. And when I do that, I start making notes, right? And it's like, oh, wait, this needs to happen. Oh, don't forget this. Oh my gosh, the woman's mother died and you didn't mention her funeral. You know, just silly things. <laughs> right, like, right. How could you have forgotten that? That that would be the first thing that they talk about is the right. funeral. You know, it, things that I miss. So, so that's how I do it. I just, I circle back, I circle back. And so I'm never really stuck of what do I do next because I can always go back a few chapters and kind of edit my way forward towards what's next. Yeah. yeah. Towards You've got what's, what's coming next. And then there it are is. times when I was like, I know I'm going to write X scene and, you know, and I'm thinking about it over breakfast and I'm thinking about it while I'm checking my email one last time. And I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, it, it just, yeah, it just depends. It's, and actually that's a really, that's it's really fun. Right. When you know exactly what the scene is going to be. And it's just like, taking shape in your brain. And um, so now what, you know, basically what happens on the day when you don't get, you know, you just really do feel stuck. 
do you feel like the circling is what kind of keep, keeps you moving forward? Are there days you when know, you legit don't write any? I mean, you just cannot get. No, there are at. certainly days where I legit don't write anything. I mean, you know, days yeah. where I get I get stuck in the Instagram, email, Twitter. I need to read this. I need to work on my schedule. What am I doing? You know, my right. calendar is very soothing to me. Working on my calendar has always been a self-soothing thing for me. Um, which I love that is, is a little kind of bizarre. Is your, but... is your calendar, you must write it out then, or is it all I online? have, I have like five versions of the calendar. <laughs> it's really, I'm, I, that's something I'm looking for this year is to find a way to only have like one, but I have, I have the, you know, online iCal, but I also have a calendar in Trello and I have a calendar in, uh, to do, and I'm duplicating effort in both places because I have different team members that use different things right. and I'm trying to keep and I actually have two of the same calendar in two different Trello boards for two different people so it's it's really I've got to find a better process for having everybody looped into the same calendar right. um, and then you know people add me to a google calendar and then all of a sudden there's all this stuff and right you know, it's really calendar management is I think a huge part of this well it's it's like project management I mean I think people it sort is. of people disregard the fact that, you know, that once you, you know, it's not just about writing the book, right? You, I mean, here we are like literally three weeks from the release of, the, you know, this book, which is so exciting, but the heat is on. I mean, you are like, I mean, it's interviews, it's social media, it's getting, you know, responding to reviewers and arcs. And I mean, talk a yeah. little bit about what, a, you know, the day in the life of you is these last couple of weeks. That's, it's really funny because I woke up this morning and went, oh my gosh we're in the, we're in it now. This is it. It's coming. It's coming in three weeks. It's, it comes out the 21st. It's three weeks away. And I have two. Which will actually be the day this airs. So as you're listening to this, right, it, it is airing on the 21st. So you are, this is pub day. You ha you should have Happy that birthday. copy. Happy book birthday, JT. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, you're in it. You're right in it. I'm in it. So I, I finalized all the last bits of the schedule last night. I have 25 events. I've already done three. So I have 25 to go, 24, 23 now, once we hang up, um, <laughs> because I had two today, I've got one Friday and then next week I've got a couple. And so it's kind of spread out. There's, there's half of it's digital, half of it's in person which is great. I'm actually nice getting to, to go on back the road. And, yeah. I'm so thrilled. Where I'm actually are you going to go to some bookstores. What, what, what cities are you? I mean, we can find it all on gtlson.com, but tell people where you're going to be. Okay. So, uh, technically last night, <laughs> since this is the 21st, right. um, last night we had Parnassus had the launch party at Parnassus. Okay. And then I'm going to Seattle this week for winter Institute at the American booksellers association, ABA. Okay. So really excited. I've never been to Winter Institute. So I'm super stoked about that. So and then next week, I'm uh, Tuesday at Poison Pen, Wednesday at Murder by the Book in Houston, Thursday at M. Judson in Greenville, South Carolina, and Friday on Polly Island at Litchfield Books. And then the following Monday at Writer's Block in Winter Park, Florida. Okay. So you just like talked about doing an event every day and moving. And those places aren't like you're flying. You're flying right. from one to the other. I mean, that right. is right. It what is, is that? It's exhausting. It's such a different energy than we use. <laughs> it's it is controlled chaos. 
right? The car service is usually at 4.30 or five in the morning. So you're rolling out of bed, rolling into a car, rolling to the airport, rolling onto a plane, getting off a plane, getting in a car, going to a hotel, doing, you know, probably one or two little chat things or local media. Then you go and do the bookstore and then you go home and collapse and get about four hours of sleep and get up and do it again. And you do it for a week. And it's, I look at people like Marie Benedict. It's like, how do you do this? She's doing like, and Patty, Patty Callahan Henry, who does like 40 events all in person, all in like a three week period. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? So a a week of, of that kind of really sustained effort um, is about all I can handle. Well, it's so, it's going to be, I wonder how it'll feel because right. The, I mean, for the last few years, we really have not had. So I sort of feel like my, you know, my ability to be like sharp and in person and all those things, it's kind of faded a little. I'm a little bit, I'm a little less sharp than I was once. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that I have always requested, um, since I learned how much I love this is doing things in conversation with other writers. Yes. Not only does it help, you know, it gets their book out in front of a new audience, it gets my book out in front of a new audience, but the dynamic of actually being able to talk to somebody instead of me just coming up to a podium and droning on, being interviewed, it's it's just a thousand times more dynamic. And it takes a little bit of that stress away of the performative aspect of, I need to entertain a room, you know? Yes, I need to be funny. I need to be charming. I need to be, right. Yeah, exactly. I totally get that. And I, I, I imagine you're seeing Lisa Unger in. I don't think I am because oh, she's in Tampa. Isn't she... Oh, she's in Tampa. Oh, I got no, that She's wrong. in St. Saint, Saint Pete area, Tampa, St. Okay. Pete area. And I'm going to be in Orlando. Okay. So I, don't know who, okay. I don't know who I'm going to be with in Orlando. So far, nobody that I know of, but I'm sure we'll find somebody. Oh, you will. I find would love somebody. it if she would drive over there, but that's a big ask. Yeah, <laughs> hey, that is true. Can you drive two hours and she, to interview me? That's a little much. And she probably has, I'm sure she's got, you know, you guys. Awesome things. Yes. The Speaking of cabin sleep six is her I latest. If you that, guys haven't read it, it's really great. And we interviewed her in November for that. So if you haven't um, listened to that episode, it was super fun to talk to her about that book, which is another um, fabulously fun female th- uh, thriller. So I wanted to talk also about sort of, you know, you, this isn't your only gig, girlfriend. You also <laughs> have, you know, obviously in addition to your um, a word on words, you also have a whole nother series that you're working on. So what's going on with, you know, Joss Walker and tell our listeners that we did do an interview last year for that, but tell if people missed it, tell um, our listeners about that. So Joss Walker is my fantasy pen name. I'm writing urban fantasy with another fantasy author. Um, I've got a second, first co-writer was Alicia Klapik on the first book. She helped build that world and, and figured it out, but she likes to do epic fantasy. So she went back to her epic fantasy and I brought in another fantasy author. Her name is R.L. Perez. She is uh, really new, but has a whole bunch of books out and she's a very talented writer. And we are, she was actually here last week and we just finished um, the third book in the series, which is called The Keeper of Flames. And that is in editorial, (laughs) ergo, in editorial means I'm doing my part on it right now. Um, And we just plotted out two more short stories and the next novel, which is The Prophecy of Wind, which comes out in October. So June 27th for Keeper of Flames and Prophecy of Wind comes out 
in October 31st on Halloween. And you're going to need to be working on that. I would imagine. Yeah. And, and, you know, and a couple of short stories in between and, you know, it's, I segment my days when, when I'm kind of in the thick of it with that, I, I try to um, like work on my JT stuff in the morning and then, then I can work on Joss in the afternoon. So like two, like multiple personalities. You're just like, who it, am I at this it moment? It sort of is. And I got to tell you, there's something really exciting about switching brains like that, switching into mm-hmm. a different genre, because it, I think is helping my, my thrillers. I think I mean, it refreshes and it's got, it's such a different world and it's such a different kind of tone. From- right. Well, tell us the premise because I know I love. Oh, Jane, okay. But I um, I don't think our, our, maybe all of our listeners don't know her. So, so the series we're working on right now is Jane Thorne, CIA librarian. Jane is an archive librarian who is um, working at Vanderbilt when she touches a grimoire and all of a sudden finds out that the ocular migraines she's been having her whole life are actually magic. She is magic. She is. So this is an adult uh, fantasy. It is not, um, it is not a YA, which is a lot of fun. Also trying to walk that little tightrope, but Mm -hmm. she, um, bad guys want her and the good guys want her and the CIA are the one that get to her first and talk her into coming to work for them in the library. And they train her in her magic and send her undercover out to uh, uh, look for a very, very big necromantic grimoire in Dublin. So that the books are all international. The second book, first book's in Ireland. Second book is in uh, France. The third book is in Rome, in Italy. Do you have to go for research? I feel like you should have to go for research. You're probably like- Well, I really actually, Rachel went to Paris for research on the second book. It was great. And she went in with us, you know, you got to go to this library, this library, this this library because you know Jane's a, right. a librarian right she has to go to the libraries and it's it is so much fun and the world just continues expanding it is it is an actual reverse dystopian because when we start there is no magic um except for a very few talented mm-hmm. magicians and then as the series is progressing magic is turning back on and suddenly we have a situation where non-magical people are much fewer than the magical people by you know by the end of the series right. you know there is a, a big imbalance in the in the universe so so we're working on that it's very very fun and how I know you've done this before with Catherine Coulter but what is it like to, was it how different is it to write you know when you're writing with somebody versus writing on your own and you know sort of how do you how do you balance those differences? Well, that's with Catherine, we discovered very quickly that we were combustible together. That with her brain and my brain on a plot, we could elevate it to places that we would have never gotten to ourselves. That's and awesome. that happens with with Rachel and I. I mean, it's it's absolutely, you know, oh my gosh, I would never have thought of that. If you hadn't said that, I wouldn't have thought of this. And then, you know, it just builds. So two heads are really better than one. And as novelists, we don't have a lot of collaborative mm-hmm. projects, but I think screenwriters know this. They yeah. know that you can get a bunch of brains on something and really elevate it. So the process is very similar to what I did with Catherine, although I'm the Catherine in this situation. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I would go to California, we would sit down, we would plot the book, I would go back, I would draft the book with pretty much daily interaction of here's what's happening, here's what's going on, this is working, this isn't. Um, And then I would give her a finalized draft and she would edit it, send it back to me and say, all right, we need to fix this, do this, do this. I would do all of those things, send it back. She would edit it again. I would edit one last time, then we would turn it in. Yeah. Uh, And so Rachel and I are doing something similar in that we sit down with this, you know, here's, here's all the things that we want to do. Here are the things that we're trying to accomplish with this book, put together a plot and then put together an outline. Yeah. Then she goes back and drafts a a very short version of the book, like 70,000 words and gives that to me. I go through and I'm like, okay, exactly what Catherine did. We need to enhance this, bring this out. We need this scene, this scene, this scene. She works on that, gives it back to me. And then it's all on me. Then I have to bring it up to where it needs to be. I usually write the villains um, because I'm just, you know, naturally darker, I guess. <laughs> She's just evil. You just know you're I'm evil. I'm just a very little well. more evil. She's just a sweet girl, you know, and, and that, and then, you know, I obviously am doing the publication of it as well. I'm doing it right. under my two tails press imprint. And that's been a lot of fun, you know, being, being your own publisher is really right. a blast. You know, this, you know, how yeah. fun it yeah. is to have control and, you know, your control over art, your control over your timing, you can finish a book and have it done and put it out the, f- the week later, you know? I know, right. The time, the it's lack of different. having to wait for things is very, very different. You know that because there was a big delay before, you know, between your last, you know, two oh, thrillers. Oh my gosh. It's, I turned It's One of Us in 18 months ago. Yeah. Right. And it's so, that's so, frustrating when you know the book is really good and you, people, you know, your fans want it and the booksellers want it. And yeah. it sort of all feels like it's caught in the cogs of the business part, which is, you know, I t- absolutely know exactly what that's. Um, well, that sounds, I mean, the collaboration thing does sound really brilliant. And there is something to that writer's room idea. Like, you know, we, you know, we should, I don't know how we would do it, but we could like put our brains together and like plot a book and then I could write mine, you could write yours or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's I mean, almost it's just, something. It, it's basically just a critique grip. I mean, you can sit down and actually bang out some ideas and, and, you know, you have to have people you trust. You have to have people at a certain level who, you know, yeah. can absolutely bring to the table what you need. You and I have done this. You and I have gotten yeah. on the phone and been like, all right, I'm stuck in this situation. What do I do here? How do I fix this? You helped me fix her dark lies. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing to to be able to hang up and be like, all right, I have an idea of how to move forward. Those collaborations are really, it's out today too. In ah, mass paperback. market paperback. Her dark I lies love it. mass market paperback today. Ah, so so that's got, it's too. one of us in hardcover and her dark lies in mass market. It's a big, and those are big day. Both beautiful, beautiful books. I love I, her, her dark lies cover too. Sean Capitan is my artist and he is absolutely off the hook. He's so good and really gets me and takes my input on things, which is really nice, but it's one of us. I mean, he he nailed that. I mean, he, he got did. that on out of the part. It's so beautiful. Just, it's, it's just really, so cool. It's just so it's, cool. It's so fabulous. It's such a, it's such an amazing. Book. Me and I was like, we're done. Yeah, it's like do anything to that. They're like, no, we, you know, maybe I'm like, no, 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 no. seriously, yeah. it's perfect. Don't do anything. Leave it's it. Awesome. Leave it. Okay, so 
I guess I would ask, since you, you know, you've got so much incredible knowledge and experience, if you were going to give sort of one piece of advice to, you know, uh, aspiring authors, people even starting their first books or have written a book and, you know, are going through the editorial process, what do you, you know, that's probably a, it's a lot to ask JT, but what would you, what advice would you give them? Well, so two things. One, I'll, I'll give the best advice that I ever got, which was you make the rules page by page. Stuart Woods told me that I had written uh, the very first Taylor book and I wanted to bring John Baldwin in in like chapter 15. And I didn't think that I was allowed to do that. And I wrote him and asked, I mean, how cheeky of me, right? I, have, I write this hugely successful author. I'm like, hey, I've got a dumb question for you. And he wrote me back, mm -hmm. which was just, I mean, a, something that I took away from, you know, we can all lift each other up. And the I generosity yes, when people you do. need help, I do try to help. Um, but he said, you are the one who makes the rules. You create the rules page by page. You I can do whatever that. you want. It was like, so freeing. Yeah. So there's that. And the other is find your time and respect it because you have to finish. Yeah. There's only one for me. I've, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success in this industry. I've been really, really blessed and I have a lot of really great readers and I've got a great team. What I think is the most important thing in your career is finishing. I think finishing is what makes a career, right? right. And the more you finish, the more books that you're going to be able to get out there and the more you're going to be able to succeed right it, the the more editorial you have so the more you that's finish. right so because you can't get you can't go you anywhere without yeah you have to finish that's like sort of the, you know the first real step to getting you got to getting it but mm -hmm. i mean that's that goes to us you know mm -hmm. we uh, this is my 25th published novel amazing right number 25 and the reason i have 25 books from 2007 to now is because I found my time and I respected my time and I used that time wisely and I finished. Yeah. And I make everybody else, you know, respect, hey, this is when I'm working. And and that is a huge, huge help. So if you can find that discipline early, all the really successful authors, man, they get up, they are after it at 7 a.m. with their cup yeah. of coffee. And I am not that writer. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be that writer, but I am not that writer. Right. Um, so I've had to find a time that creatively works for me. And that's more the, the late mid morning and late afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have know? to, and I think you're right. I mean, I, you know, I wrote the first books after a full job, a full day, it was work in finance and, you know, really pretty much, I'm the first book, I guess was written before Claire, my daughter was born, but after that, it was also with, you know, juggling babies, but you just would find, you know, like an hour and a half or whatever it was and you know use that time and then um you know eventually get to the end like you said i think that's just great advice so okay we know that we've got a lot of joss walker to look forward to this year two new books so that's incredible and that those are going to books going to be books three and four so tell us is that your is that your kitty <laughs> jameson stop she's she's playing with some tissue paper oh my gosh I, that's hilarious i, I okay, actually can't so she seems ask me that again so we've got so i was joss just walkers. saying we got two joss walker books now what is next for jt ellison okay so what's next for jt ellison i have written a taylor jackson novel 
the ninth Taylor Jackson, oh which gosh. I really needed to do. Um, I, I just needed to kind of close the door on that. I still need to write another Sam novel and close the door on the Sam series. But since I've switched from series to standalones, it just felt like I really needed to. I get to that. Do. Yeah. So that's, um, I think going to come out April 30th. Some, sometime right around there. You're going to have like four books out this year. Yeah. You and go, girl. I've got a short story that just came out from Amazon originals called these cold strangers, so um, which is really cool. That was, a, that was really, I was really excited. It's part of the, we could be heroes um, collection. So I love it. that was really, really cool. And then I've got a couple more short stories coming out. There's an, uh, an anthology called infinity that Catherine edited for suspense magazine that comes out at the end of March. And um, another one in these hallowed halls, which is a dark academia, by which Marie you Bishop. love. Yeah. It's coming out. Yeah, I really do. That's coming out um, in September. So it is a really busy release year. Last year, I had nothing. This yeah. year, I've got like seven or eight things. Well, you out. had a Joss Walker. We had Joss Walker last year. I just, yeah, we, I had a Joss Walker. I had a, a Joss Walker novel and uh, two short stories yeah. and then a yeah. little collection. But yeah. yeah, nothing on the JT but side. Nothing so. on the JT side, right? Well, this is going to be a ridiculous is, year. There's a is lot. JT sleeping? I just need to know. Like, is she getting any rest over there? JT gets a lot of sleep. And I think that's why she's able to do what she does. That's a good, that's a really good point too, right? None of us is all that good without a lot of sleep. So no, brilliant. no, it's, it really need that. There's a lot of creative energy that I think is repaired with sleep. So true. Okay. Yeah. One of the things I do is I, I like to tag little uh, moments and I didn't read this one earlier, but I just love this. And this is sort of what I, you know, one of the things that I mean, one of the things you do so beautifully, but also something that's very relevant to this, the killer woman idea, which is, this is of course, Olivia um, with, at the hot, you know, with the doctors. Um, they say, of course, how are you feeling, Olivia? I'm fine, though she is anything but. It's a reflex answer. I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm sorry, though I did nothing wrong. The two phrases trained into almost every woman from birth. And I think that, you know, there's those moments when you strike something, I think for your readers, and I have to imagine you're gonna hear from a lot of readers who are very grateful um, for this for this book and for the conversations you're having, but that is, isn't that so universal that we are taught to apologize and uh, to and suppress our, our emotions. Yes. And just because if be we fine. show our emotions, then we're hysterical. That is so funny. That is the book I'm, I'm working on right now is a woman whose parents told her she was hysterical and she's become quite um, repressed about it. So, so it's it really, it's problems. <laughs> it might come out, it might come back to bite everybody if yes, but, um, but it is really true. I think that is a really, and that, so, you know, and you do that beautifully throughout the book, but that was the one that I was looking at this morning that, that I wanted to read out loud. Cause I just think, yes, those are, that's exactly right. And as women, I, I love when we see ourselves in books, whether it be, you know, good guys, bad guys, I think we're all some combination of both. And I think it's really, it's, it's really heartening to see like a piece of yourself in something else and be like, okay, it's not just me. I'm not, you know, right. I'm not crazy. We're not right? alone I'm in this. We're not alone in this. And that's, no. I mean, if that, if there's any message to, to this, we are not alone. You are not alone. You, uh, somebody else has dealt with this, has gone through yeah. this and feels and sees you. I mean, yeah. this is so being a woman is hard. You know, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not it's easy. Not. And there's a lot of pressure on us. And, and there's a lot of pressure 
to perform and to look a certain way and to act a certain way and to wear a certain kind of, you know, clothes yeah. and be a certain size and, and just all of that. We just need to let that roll off our shoulders. So we, we can do. be ourselves and really hit our potential for who we are, not who right. society wants us to be. Right. Stop comparing ourselves to one another or, or to some ideal that is, you know, airbrushed and, you know, yeah, stretched out and whatever hell else they do to all that, you know, stuff and just really, right. Find the thing that really speaks to us, which, you know, you do beautifully. And, um, the, oh, there's my dogs. Sorry. Um, and this is, um, this is so exciting. I'm so excited for the world to, to, to get to read it. It's one of us. I'm so thrilled and honored that I got to see it. I got it so early that it didn't even have its gorgeous cover yet. <laughs> you got the white, yep. You got the white galley. That's, and, I mean, um, that is, that's the super secret, you know, super right. secret it, special galley. That's that, right. You know, that's doesn't right. even have a cover yet. It it's doesn't so have a cover. It was, at any rate, it was such a treat. And JT, I, you know, you know, I adore you. It's always so fun. Um, I'm I'm going to see you. I hope at Thriller Fest this year. I will be at Thriller Fest. I will oh. be at Thriller Fest this year. I'm Yay. so excited. We're back. We're back. Um, well, back. I love it. And in the meantime, everybody, go out and find it's one of us. You can find jtellison.com. She's at Thriller. Check it. Instagram. And what are you on um, Facebook? Uh, jtellison14 on Facebook, and okay. then yeah, Thriller Chick on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter. Okay. Anyway, what a treat. Always. I got to see, actually, uh, I got to see JT and her husband, Randy, and my husband, Chris, we all had dinner when I was in Nashville for my birthday. So that was a super, super fun treat. So um, it I, was, it was great. It we was had really several the restaurant. That's another story for another time. That was, a, we picked a very strange place, <laughs> so but we won't food. talk <laughs> we won't talk about that too much more but anyway um everyone thank you so much for joining us on killer women and we will see you next time bye